1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous
0: Welcome, video. indeed, to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet.
1: And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas, and we are back in business, which I guess means you can call us the front of the plane, Michael, because we are, of course, all business to begin with, as usual. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. You can also follow either of your hosts if you'd like to do so. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamlet.
0: At Michael Hamflit, you can get this podcast pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to subscribe, on Spotify, where we'd love you to follow on Amazon Music when, if you're watching Mad Men and decide to take a break, and then it won't go back to the where the episode where you're at in season two and insists you watch it from season one all over again until you have to find the manually episode yourself. If you're not busy on with that, you can find it on their Amazon Music service, which I'm reliably informed. is really good, hopefully better than their prime one. Um, pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts, you can find Podcast Horseman. And for this season and this season only, we will be doing a different thing for our Hollywood Talk of Fame. Um, for those that don't know, you can get a start on the Hollywood Talk of Fame in season five, for doing a quote tweet. Uh, Every Friday, a new episode of Podcast Horseman will go on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter account through Acast, where you can stream the tweet and listen through there and all that good stuff. Quote tweet that tweet, and you could be getting your very own special season five star on our Talk of Fame. Another one of those stars coming at the end of this episode.
1: Yes, there is. And we are back once again with (laughs) hopefully the less ill behaviour and more of the good Podcast your behavior for everybody to enjoy but michael you know what it is my friend if anybody who was here for the last episode i'm pretty sure you got this but you're gonna get it again because you might as well call me florence in the machine michael <laughs> because according to netflix for the synopsis this week's episode is season five episode two the dog days are over and the synopsis is as follows Diane divorces Mr. Peanut Butter and moves into a shabby studio. Feeling melancholy, she travels to Vietnam to get away from it all. Well, how Mm. do you like that for a little tease?
0: I mean, it's pretty full on and revealing and informative, isn't it? Which is perhaps why the episode takes us back to the scenes just before all of that went down. Diane, very sadly, is bawling her eyes out on a drive home from somewhere. Um, It's worth noting, I feel at this point, uh, that she's sporting the new haircut that we saw very briefly at the end of the last episode when Mr. Peanut Butter had dropped her off from her airport on her trip back from Vietnam, Um, as well as a new green dress instead of the usual Diane attire that we're typically used to character wearing. Um, it cuts to her back at apartment on that very same night, packing a bag, tears still streaming down her face, makeup running, all that sort of thing. And uh, she goes straight to the airport again in that same party gear. And she gets not a lot of help from the lady at the airport check-in desk who repeatedly sends her to the screens, reminiscent very much of just trying to do shopping in Asda and getting sent to those little checkouts instead. Um, but nonetheless, the lady still hopes to get good feedback from the screens because the screens are her boss. Anyway, Diane is just desperate to get away somewhere, anywhere, and Vietnam pops up as a a, a final sort of destination for to get away that night. Um so she elects to go there. Uh normally, of course, this would be the point where we would hit the credits, but we'll do a little bit more if that's okay with you, because I feel like there's a, a slightly more sort of organic place to have our little summary of the opening parts of the episode. Um Diane arrives in Vietnam on the other side of the credits, um, but gets a call from Stefani immediately, her boss, obviously at the Girl Cruise, who is extremely pushy for content. Um, so Diane says she'll write something about the trip while she's there Uh, and thus the structure of the episode takes shape, unusually so as well, we learn that this episode is going to be set as quote 10 reasons to go to Vietnam, a girl cruise personal travel guide Um, and that's probably where we can kind of break down this little glimpse of Diane's previous life in Hollywood, knowing full well what she's going to go and do here, quite the dramatic start to season 5 for the Diane character considering that we got Almost nothing of her in the opener.
1: Quite the dramatic start indeed. Quite the sad start as well. Mm. i didn't, I'd never like an episode where we open up on something mm. sad, but hearing Diane bawling her eyes out was not the way that I wanted to start oh. the most recent episode of Podcast Horseman. <laughs> awesome. But there we go. We can't always get what we want, is what I've heard. Um, but it seems Diane does, though, because maybe she gets what she needs, Michael. Off she goes to Vietnam. Very right, Um And this felt really... <laughs> I mean, not to just start talking, shop with you or anything, yeah, while we're on the podcast. <laughs> this felt like extremely relatable content. This, <laughs> of the word content in terms of Diane decides she's going to do a 10 point list about a, tra- uh, a 10 point travel guide of Vietnam, of course. Yeah, very relatable content. This, the brain constantly trying to figure it out.
0: It was certainly an interesting one um, to take notes on for those that, you know, might only listen, found us through Podcast awesome to be honest, thank you for finding us through this medium and this medium alone, myself and Adam and us both work at Walt Culture and we sometimes spend a lot of our time in a working day, dividing things up in lists of 10, which at least made this episode noting a bit of a home away from home for me, at least, um, because we get like a title card for each bullet point. Uh, and the kind of the first one that she says is reconnect with your ancestral roots. Um, Diana rates a lack of connection to the country, including a quality flashback where her dad uh, back in sort of where she's about 15, 16 years old. Gives her no cultural context back at home in Boston. Um, Despite, and this is such a great gag, the reveal of him being a tenured professor of Vietnamese history. But, you know, a bit like you saying, us talking workshop on a podcast. It's like he says, quote, that's my job. I wouldn't ask you to have a period on your day off. So he doesn't want to talk about work. So she's not (laughs) going to get that from him. So she believes she can get it from traveling instead. Um, She's bought something from a shop called Nguyen which is obviously you know, quite nice. It's something that directly connects it to the country. But a miscommunication with a passerby doesn't help. Straight away, she bumps into somebody. It's not very clear. There's obviously a breakdown in linguistic communications because they can't speak each other's language. Um, nor does checking in at a hotel, where in an effort to be a million miles away from her life, she finds the hotel being the site of a brand new Laura Linney film. <laughs> an LA crew uh, the likes of which we've seen a billion times and all the sets that Bojack's been on burst out of a lift uh, and we find out that the film is about a divorced woman who's come to find herself. <laughs> uh, back in Diane's room, she puts on the new N dress and realises that she is a tourist, which kind of neatly leads us into point for the list number two. You can be a tourist. She gets a chicken for days from Vietnam because, as you know, that brand is worldwide. Um, but she still can't relax, especially when she's kind of sat down on a bench eating this one giant piece of chicken from a bucket. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know because of the size of it. I couldn't tell if it was a leg or an arm or a segment of mystery stuff. I just didn't know. Um, but she gets a call from Mr. Peanut Butter of all people. He's uh, he's checking in on her after it turns out she'd left his party, um, which she says was to catch the plane to Vietnam. So we can assume that it was the party that she was coming away from in tears. Uh, he offers to pick her up at the airport when she gets home, which we know they would indeed follow through on. Um, that whole conversation and the little mention there about again their upcoming divorce and her just gently asking about the you know the process stuff gives her the segue into point number three because you're single and now you can do whatever you want. Uh, this cuts to Diane not in Vietnam but back in Hollywood, back with her long hair pre haircut. Uh, and in a, you know, the outfit we're more sort of accustomed to with Diane. They're having a very smug, divorced couple dinner at Elefante. This is obviously very, very soon after they've elected to part ways, and they're trying very hard to be fine in all caps, in all insincere italicized caps. They are trying to be fine. And um, Diane is almost pestering Mr. Peanut Butter for the divorce papers, but they keep getting interrupted by this very enthusiastic waitress that we learn is called Pickles. And um, Pickles is a dog, and her and Mr. Peanut Butter. Uh, think each other are just tremendous diane's not really got a lot of time for her she can't remember the orders she keeps coming back she interrupts at the very worst times in the middle of the conversations but mr peanut butter thinks she's absolutely fantastic uh he does admit to diane that he gets a bit lonely despite thinking this divorce is fine so diane suggests that he has a housewarming party and which she agrees to attend because nicholas they're just absolutely fine why would she not attend and she then snaps wildly at pickles once she's said that she's fine for the last time pickles makes one interruption too many and diane screams at her very last interruption this takes us back to vietnam uh, and diane helps an american family of tourists again her chicken for days has been interrupted led by a dad who cannot fathom that diane is american there's a just a tremendous broad gag about diane saying I'm American, and the dad going, me, American too, and screaming at her as if he can't, as if she can't possibly understand what you're trying to say. Um, it's quite nice. Ultimately, he just can't get it into his head, despite several attempts at communication that she's American. She says, I've got to fix my teeth, so this feels like a good place to talk about Diane's synthetic aspirations of being lonely, doesn't it, Nicholas? That's a good break to talk about her stop in Vietnam and how things are going so far, that little clue from the dinner with Mr. Butter, says that all is maybe not as fine as it seems.
1: Lots to take in there. Quite a lot to take in, in terms of where Diane's at and and, and how clearly very not fine she is. <laughs> Despite her best Ross from Friends impression, she <laughs> is not having the best time. She hasn't even made any fajitas, Michael, which would tell you even more <laughs> so that she is indeed not fine. But um, I guess it's the... It's part of life, isn't it? There's both ends of the spectrum here. And Diane trying to embrace all the positives that come with actually being by yourself and trying to turn them into something good for her. But ultimately, having a very tough time of it, I think, would be fair to assume because this feels already a lot more like a distraction rather than a proactive choice, a reactionary choice rather than one mm-hmm. um, she's thought about in advance.
0: They've played with the timelines really well because we're introduced to Diane. Like, it's very, very harsh how we find her balling in the car and her, as you say, having to react, having to make a very rash, reactive decision to fly all the way to Vietnam just to escape her life. And then we're given flashbacks where it looks like for a while she's the higher status of the two between her and Peanut Butter. She's the one in the power position at the dinner. And it's interesting. It's almost like because it's BoJack, we know that we're going to get served that middle portion we're going to see how we went from that elephant a fine dinner to a yep. uh, ball in her car um point four on diane's list was to meet new people uh diane's at the bar and distracted by one of the movie staffers doing a very bad job of ordering a beer which segues straight into point five get out of your natural habitat uh we flash back to diane moving into that uh, apartment um Netflix called it a grief hole or whatever it was, and they're not wrong, to be honest. Bojack is, quote, helping, but uh, he's not really. Um, He's just there to, like, lift the lightest of the boxes and tell her it's it's a grief hole, basically. She claims to love it. She suggests it's a reflection of the the newfound freedom that she's got. Uh, She loves having the stuff that she put away after she moves in with, quote, Old Man Peanut Butter, which offers this great (laughs) gag where Bojack sees it as a perfect opportunity to slag him off for the first time. Uh, But when he gets wary, Diane notes that he's pretty much done that all the time. It's not like he's never been brutally honest about his feelings with Mr Peanut Butter, despite what he might think, or indeed about everything. Um, There's uh, the fact that obviously she's kind of like open this dialogue with him again about being fully open and honest allows her to ask him to go with her to Mr Peanut Butter's housewarming party. Yeah, he kind of reluctantly agrees. Um, but back at, uh, so from there, sorry, I should say, we go on to Diane going back to work at a girl cruise, only she can't get in the office because Stefani is exterminating some unionising cockroaches.
1: The, oh. entire build,
0: the entire building has been tented because these cockroaches just want better working conditions. Um, so Diane has been asked to work from home. Again, bizarrely relatable content, which segues us to point six to turn your work into a workcation. We see Diane really struggling to work at her apartment and ending up taking Bojack up on his offer to go around to his. I should point out that the caveat of him doing that was basically her admitting, I didn't get the word and I do apologize, but that her apartment was awful and that she was really, really sad and she needed it. He wanted that from her. Um, they end up uh, not working and not being productive as they never do when it's just the two of them around his place. They just end up getting drunk on wine. Um, and she politely declines living in Bojack's guest stream, not for the first time there's a really tremendous and incredibly tense moment where she notes that she's in a really good place, uh, even though that good place feels literally and figuratively off by this point. Um, and it's weird that they've both never been single at the same time. Nobody quite wants to enter into what that conversation might mean. So she goes a little bit further and says, yeah, I could totally make out right now which seems to shock Bojack physically so much that it shocks her out of maybe what she was suggesting there. His response seems to trigger a new response for her. She backs away from the idea, literally and figuratively again. Um, It's very awkward, but they sort of stumble through that and then onto the last time that she stayed there, which of course um, allows Bojack to briefly reflect on his time in New Mexico, not that he reveals what actually went down there. Um he's about to ask her a question, but when he looks around, she's passed out again. Um, I should point out for the rest of the episode, we don't find out what that question might have been. Um, but nonetheless, when she wakes up in the morning at Bojax, she just feels it best to just slink off the next day and write that one off as a night on the piss and not a lot else, rather than a particularly productive experience to be back at Bojax. Um point six was not turning your work into a workation, but an absolutely fascinating glimpse into something that I think it was high time that the show addressed, which was that, that push and pull that still existed romantically, that still existed a little bit between Bojack and Diane.
1: Yeah, I think it's clear to see, yeah, did a very big setup: that Diane just has a change of heart at this point and then immediately comes to Bojack's house with the phrase, I'm a sad, sad girl with a terrible, dirty apartment. And haven't we <laughs> all been there, Michael? I can't explain it <laughs> How much Bojack seems to enjoy Diane turning up these houses house and that? Because as soon as he opens the door, he's like, ah, come on. In you come. But yeah, this was amazing. This The Diane going across to Bojack's house was, the way they do this, Diane is clearly Michael. She's had a couple of drinks. She's had a couple of drinks. She's feeling a bit lonely. She's thinking, ah, me and this horse, me and this horse. And then... The way the Bojack reacts is amazing because it puts her off in terms of she thinks he's shocked because he's not into it, rather than being shocked because it's actually on the table, so to speak, mm. which is what is actually happening. Then we watch Bojack, who's trying to find a way back into that conversation, even though technically like it wasn't he didn't want to come out of it. Diane's yeah. misread it completely. Then when she sort of over, obviously overreact to the point where she basically calls him like gross. And he says, <laughs> oh, you're, you're gross. And then she calls, he calls him mean. Mm-hmm. And like, they are so close, man. And if they were just mm-hmm. honest with each other, this could be a completely different conversation we'll have because they both clearly are thinking about it maybe, but end up like trying to guess what the other one is thinking. <laughs> and as such, move further apart. So even though in their heads, Michael, they might be thinking, please be naked. In the end, it didn't work out that way.
0: No, it it was nice of them to go back to this. I think we long we talked about this in some of the other episode reviews. They did a really good job of brushing aside any romance. They didn't want you to think of them as a Ross and Rachel or as a Sam, a Sam and Diane, and you know, mm. in the case of I didn't really want that. And um, whether they did initially, we don't know. But certainly, as the show went on, it wasn't something they were particularly looking to explore. But they picked the exact right moment in their real lives to explore it. And I think that was important. I think that, like, as you say, it was very much them not seeing what they actually meant in that moment. And then the moment was ultimately lost and they kind of both pulled away from it. But as viewers, I dare say we might have had questions to ask ourselves had this not been revisited, even briefly like this. I think without it just being touched upon once, enough time would have passed where we'd have started to ask the question too. not because necessarily we want to force them together, just because of the nature of television.
1: I think that's exactly probably why they did it, because it's only natural for that question to occur, isn't it? Because, like, they're both adults, they're both in a room together, they've both been drinking, they can both do whatever the heck they want because they don't have anybody to answer to. Mm-hmm. Why would we as fans not be thinking, oh, opportunity? Like, even even though I'm kind of in the, I'm not, I'm not kind of, definitely in the camp where I feel like they're better suited as friends and, like, yeah. keeping it that way but it's a, it's a fan, it's a fascinating dynamic to explore like and i think they do it so well here because how many people have had that like a friend or a, like a close pal or whatever who've had that one night where things almost went south or they went almost a different direction and then here we are and i think we could have been having a very different conversation but it turns out michael you win some you lose some and on this particular <laughs> occasion new win decided not to lose some
0: <laughs> very good Oh, Princess Carolyn would be proud of that one. Um, back to the list. Number seven. Your therapist tells you to. Uh, Diane's therapist, who of course we've met before, who just likes to talk about her other more famous clients, basically reveals that Demi Moore, Ashton Kutcher, and Angelina Jolie at various points have taken trips to get away from the problems <laughs> in their life. Um, Diane asks that she not share her details with her clients, to which the therapist replies, she's not famous enough. Um, so anyway, we go back to Diane at the bar with that crew member. Uh, he's asking her to help him order beers like the American tourist. he believes her to be Vietnamese. and um, She uses what limited Vietnamese she's got to get it done um, without revealing uh, that she's American. Uh, I don't know, perhaps that drink will induce some sleep to avoid pain. Um, he calls himself a nice American dude and a good guy. <laughs> and uh, just needs a local to show him around. He is talking like he's seen it before, but that segues into point number eight to discover a new you. She narrates the pair of them walking through the markets and she feels free to be someone else. The narration ends with them kissing. Uh, He's seemingly quite moved by the experience of meeting this stranger in Vietnam on a work trip and he wants to show us something. Um, that something is the movie set It's uh, we see them looking upon a horizon and then the camera pulls back and it's just a giant painted it's set of a horizon um, which she is either humouring him or is legitimately wowed by that's left unclear um, he calls himself calls himself a grip and then corrects it and says he's an executive grip and they kiss again <laughs> but they're disrupted by a spotlight that crashes to the floor which is what I say, Adam Nicklist because I've never been on a film set but Diane has hasn't she? So she's not shocked by a spotlight crashing to the floor. She's shocked by saying, quote, holy sh- a falling Klieg light! <laughs> at which point, <laughs> at which point the jig is up. Uh, gives the game away. This infuriates the grip, despite him telling us that he was a nice American dude and a good guy. He's now the one that's livid, that he's been lied to and he's been deceived. And um, It ends ugly. Diane completely banters him off the face of the earth by revealing that she knows what a grip does and he's not even the best, best boy. Um, Which leaves her to find herself again alone as she leaves the set. She walks back out into that busy sort of Vietnamese street that we saw before. Um, Suddenly very isolated in the hustle and bustle. Um, Yeah, that's part there because that's a fun... I think that's just a fun sequence all around to talk about. The... Bojack Horseman, as usual, takes on another male trope and skewers it brilliantly. The mm. nice guy, the good guy, the, the fun American dude, the whatever, the, the patronising male, the lying careerist, pick pick your cliche, and they hit them all in the form of this member of the movie crew. Um, and the reveal was, was funny as well. The reveal was really, really funny.
1: Yeah, I think I'll give you a little freebie as well because one you probably picked up on immediately. It's no coincidence that the most, like, stereotypical, uh, advantageous American in a foreign country who expects the country just to know his crack and, like, he's at the bar asking for beer because he doesn't know how to speak mm. Vietnamese. Has he <laughs> bothered to learn, like, even just learn what, whatever two beers means yeah. in, in Vietnamese? But in no coincidence, he's just a bald-headed eagle, isn't he? He's, like, a just <laughs> the, the archetypal American bird with his little <laughs> okay. baseball cap on. Um, and I just, everything about this interaction with Diane's amazing as well, because <laughs> it just plays so perfectly off. We've all met, seeing these people. It reminded me of London, actually, quite a lot of London, when I used to live down there. Everybody who is a, who is anything wants you to think they are like a little bit more than what they are, or they want, assuming that you have no knowledge whatsoever about what they're their certain area is they will just try and amp it up a little bit to sound a bit more important I experienced that a lot when I was living down in London and that was like it was such a weird and that's only London so imagine what this is like in Vietnam where he's going around pretending to be a big shot and I just think this play is so brilliantly with that strange Um, she mentions it I think Diane at the end like that sort of the fantasy you know you get to play out like some little fantasy in your head where you go to this foreign country and you meet a foreign woman and she doesn't talk because you're the important one who gets to talk for hours on end about. Is it anything a lost you in watch.
0: translation fantasy or a Miss Saigon fantasy? Is she is she Miss references, Saigon. Sa- she mentions Miss yeah.
1: Saigon. It is, yeah. Brilliant, yeah. um, really, though, no, because it. She, she hasn't done right. Yes, she's obviously lying to him technically, and but I think the whole interaction and especially the bit where they go to the set, and even in the set, Diane is looking for something so much that she actually finds it in mm. that beautiful looking like it's, it's the picture-esque side of the sea, isn't it? Where there's a little boat and there's a horizon. She actually finds it beautiful. Even though she, unlike us, who we don't get it until they do the zoom back reveal, she already knows she's on a set. <laughs> For that little moment, she lets herself disappear. And I think that's quite notable as well. No, I, I, this is just, yeah, you've,
0: you've, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. That type of, well, it's funny because like, I think in the Northeast, we would say a worky ticket. Down South, a red flag for me would always be, or in London specifically, if you ask somebody what the job was, rather than just telling you their job, they use the phrase, "Well, my work involves," and it's yes. that idea yeah. that they don't want to give you a title because yeah. they're already paranoid about what that might reveal, even though you don't care. They want to fill you in with all this extra fluff that you don't need. That was always like a. a, a so da- yeah, so they sound record.
1: busy, and you you'll yeah. come up with a title for them in your head based on a bunch of these descriptors that they've given you.
0: Mm um no really good stuff this um number nine is actually a bit more i guess like traditional for this list um although what's great about the narration at this point is that she's starting to sound a bit exhausted and she's starting to sigh with delivery the early enthusiasm of to get away from it all has been replaced by in this case number nine because it's good to get out of your routine uh, <laughs> she uh, <laughs> she kind of she acknowledges at this point as well that that's actually quite similar to number five, but she's going to keep it in the list all the same. Um, it's again not in Vietnam. This one it's a flashback to just before Mr. Peanut Butter's party. Bojack turns up at Diane's apartment, and this is the first time. Well, it's just after she's got a haircut and has got the dress on. He uh, he notes her new look, and um, says she looks amazing. And Diane jokes about not taking advantage of her, which gets him wound up, and indeed about going to the party at all. So he leaves her to go alone. Um, not left to festering anywhere, but I did really like how this does tie back to him having that momentary flashback to New Mexico earlier in the episode that she would have no clue about. She's hit on the direct link in one, like a dart in the middle of the dartboard and has no clue why he would be so personally offended by that. But he just bails, makes her go to the party by herself. And uh, oh, does she miss him when she's there? She bumps into Todd, who tees up about four random story arcs, um, mostly focused upon licking an ice sculpture, which we see at the party, uh, which uh, we know due to an earlier flashback during some sort of like, exhibitional conversation with Mr. Peanut Butter, is something that he is going to get his tongue stuck to. Um, she later finds Mr. Peanut Butter in the old uh, library that he built for her, which has now not got as many like full shelves or things like that. It's obviously his library and not their library. Um, oh, big moment. They're about to talk, but she, Diane, gets erica He says he wants to hear oh, all about what's going on. But Erica is at the party, which takes our Eric out to 13. Oh, what a moment. Um, Princess Carolyn has seen this go down from another side of the party and is suddenly there to offer her own support, though not really very much because she's in the middle of taking work calls. <coughs> work calls directly relate to Mr. Peanut Butter. So, yep. again, Diane is, yeah. I mean, Diane is losing the people she needs in a very for the very worst reasons she's losing them. Um, which takes us to number 10, which is probably the most dejected line read of all from Diane, because you've got to leave to come back home. Uh, Diane's on the plane home just waiting to take off and rings Bojack to apologise for being weird. She says she just needs a friend. Um, she believes, obviously, that it, all of that scene that happened at her apartment was her fault no clue of anything that happened in uh, New Mexico. Uh, but she does need him as a friend. They kind of get themselves back on terms. And she does the... This is Diane Nguyen, obviously. That famous sort of Bojack, awkward, stilted call ender. They flip that a little bit. Um, Of all people, to sit down next to her in the plane, it's Laura Linney, the woman that went to Vietnam to find herself in the film. Um it turns out that this movie wasn't really that. It was more about a number of insane, ridiculous Hollywood plotlines that allows Diane to sort of disconnect herself emotionally from this and maybe feel as if that wasn't so special after all. Um, it's not going to help her with her own self discovery, unfortunately. Um, and because of that, she starts going off on her own sort of mental tangent. She says, quote, None of these reasons are the reasons that you went to Vietnam. And it's this point we see uh, Diane and Peanut Butter. Um, completing the divorce again, the scene from the end of the last episode, they're back in the car. It's all very awkward. But the scene continues this time to reveal that uh, Mr. Peanut Butter explains to Diane that he started seeing somebody. Um, that allows us to go back to the party where Diane again is just looking for a friend, looking for somebody to talk to. And she stares across the crowded room and sees Mr. Peanut Butter kissing Pickles the Waitress from Elephante. They're close, they're affectionate. And she notes that it's not so much the kiss, it's the arm around Pickle's waist, that sense of security that she once had that she no longer does. That breaks, her, that breaks her heart and leaves her, quote, completely adrift. Vietnam made her realize that she could survive being alone. And back to the car we go for one last scene between Dynamist and Peanut Butter to simply say, she's really happy, Finn. And that's where the credits roll. <laughs>
1: That's the end of that one, and a sad end. Well, so it is a sad end, and I think I'll have to say it. But you do want to kind of believe that that Diane is happy for Mister Peanut Butter in in the in that awful discovery. But what a great little scene that is, where you see Diane, Mister Peanut Butter outside with pickles when he just puts the arm on the small of her back and she talks about it. Like it's such a personal thing that, and to watch it, like. The expression that they do on her face with the animation—she's she goes from just smirking to being like, oh, he's just kissing somebody at the party. It's no big deal." It's like this massive shocked. There's a, there's a whole meme of meme of a face in there, basically of just shocked, <laughs> shocked Diane. I think it's fair to say. Um, but yeah, this is maybe I'm still trying. I think I'm still trying to figure it out. Are we classing this as did she get? anything that you wanted from this trip would you say or or is it just a really good story plot (laughs) for the episode (laughs)
0: it's i i don't know i think what it did address is that physical distance is better than nothing at all um the fact that point 10 is about going home says all she can't complete a list on 10 reasons to go to Vietnam without the 10th item being about getting home so if nothing else it's provided physical space did she le- was there a bit of a Seinfeldian quality to this was there really any hugging was there really any learning um, yeah. but ultimately did she expect some and is that in itself not real um, and it doesn't just have to be a breakup in terms of any kind of like mental health setback you might experience You can do your very best to remove yourself from every aspect of that, whether it be that person, that thing, that place, that whatever. Your brain will remind you. It'll remind you at the worst times, don't you? It'll remind you at bedtime. Just as you're closing your eyes, it'll remind you then. It'll remind you when you're doing something that you like so that you then associate the thing you like with that thing forever. It'll just play those tricks. So I like, in a way, that she properly does her best. And in those situations in life, your best tends not to be quite good enough.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think. I would argue maybe it is a success because, and I know obviously the last point is you have to go away to come back or whatever she says. You can't, you know, you've got to, you've got to go home eventually. And like, I think she does learn, but she learns you can't just run away from it. I think it's good. But the brilliant thing that they do yeah, which I, they sort of play into is it happening by accident, but actually ends up being a bit more of an exploration into Diane, which I will go into a little bit more uh, when we get around to the next segment uh, section, of just her going to explore our roots in Vietnam, which is a coincidental thing, but her looking to find the answer there. And actually, it turns out she doesn't have any, because she just doesn't have it. It's like, <laughs> she should not have a tie to it because it's not who she is. It's It's maybe some heritage from down the line, as we know, but Ultimately, this doesn't give her the answers because it's not the question she was asking isn't like, who is she? I guess at this point, the question she was trying to ask or answer is how does she get past this horrible hump that she's in the middle of? Because so she's, let's face it, man, along with the divorce, she's had a, if you go through and catalogue her like, entire time in this show, she's had a real bad time of it, has Diane?
0: Yeah, and I think we've kind of talked about the things that Diane's faced before. And this is why, I mean, this is why we always say, this is why Bojack's better than the things that you like. It's Complex questions are asked of Diane and Diane's character and the setbacks that Diane experiences in life. And complex questions have complex answers. And they're not as simple as flying halfway around the world or buying a dress from a shop that has the same name as you. Or indeed, facing up to your fears and going to a party because you think you can cope. All that sort of stuff. They're kind of, none of this is easy, but they're the... The easiest routes, the paths of least resistance, to try and get through something like this, and it wouldn't be—I don't think it would be BoJack Horseman in the show, nor would it be true to the traditional narrative of these characters if they treat any of these as a. It's, we used to go back to this all the time. If they, if this trip had solved everything, this veers close to an episode of Horse Around than it does BoJack Horseman because we've yeah. had 21 minutes and you, you, can't fix the heartbreak of a divorce in 21 minutes.
1: Yeah, it should go. If this was indeed Horse Around, it would just be oh well, we we'll passed the. We're on at the next beat now. The new yeah. romance has, has walked in the door at the end of the episode, yeah. and here we go, off we go. I love it. They've used this episode so well, I think, in, in terms of addressing a bunch of things to do with Diane that maybe we just haven't had the time to talk about because it has been focused on a lot of the other characters for so long. A lot of the stuff we didn't unpack last season, pretty much, while the two of them mm-hmm. were just on the runaround doing other stuff, doing distractions, peanut butter-related running for governors and all that sort of thing. This is we're now getting into the things that we've put off for a whole season, which I, which is it's nice. It, this is what this is literally BoJack Horseman in a nutshell, isn't it? It'll it will grind down to the the core of what it is to be human and explore these mm. things, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. And I think we're getting there. some we're getting somewhere with Diane, which is good. But the papers are signed, though, Michael, which means they are divorced now. These two are divorced. It's an official. There's no there's no like little switcheroo or anything. This is happening. And Mister Peanut Butter. It's off with pickles already.
0: Well, that's the sort of the, another tragic irony of this is that her attempts to get away are not just necessarily to get away from a divorce that she's going to do, but to get away from seeing that that divorce has created a new problem, which is that Mr. Butter can be with pickles instead. Um, but it's, it's sort of great from a narrative point of view because it was very Diane to get the divorce seen through. She didn't want to come to that conclusion, but when she did, she knew what she had to do. So again, it's that kind of like, the core of her character required that divorce to happen quickly, but now she's suffering the consequences of her own, like, forthright attitude towards it, and it took all of one dinner at Elephante to make it happen.
1: Mm. One dinner, but I would also say that even, I think, if you offered her an option to take it back, she wouldn't, which is the important part here, I think, is that even though she's going through a bad moment, she wouldn't change it because it's the right thing. It's the right thing. It's just, unfortunately, the right thing has a tendency to suck sometimes when you get it right. Um, (laughs) Anyway, shall we move on to something, perhaps hopefully a little bit more lighthearted, the part of the show we call Horsin' Around, where we go back through the episode and find all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, the small details you might have missed, all the Easter eggs within the episode. As you can imagine... (laughs) In an episode based in Vietnam, <laughs> there's been a lot of stuff. I have had to spend a lot of time researching things to do with Vietnam or Vietnamese things in general. Um, it's been fun. It's been tough. <laughs> and you better enjoy it, you sons of bitches. <laughs> I, didn't
0: end, I didn't envy it when it occurred to me that like, all of the potential banners or scenery shots would be in Vietnamese. And look, I know you. You're a nice guy. You're a good British dude.
1: (laughs) I am, but this has seriously put me to the test. And what I will say is, this is the part where we reveal that us being off for two weeks had absolutely nothing to do with anybody. I just needed to do all the research for two weeks on Vietnamese words. (laughs) Anyway, here we go. We go all the way back to the very beginning of this episode, Michael where we are in Diane's car, and she's crying her little heart out, bless her, Um, which is quite sad for a few moments. And if she stayed there all day, Michael, you could say that eventually her car would fill up full of tears, a car full of tears she would have, much like the car that pulls up next to her that is full of fish who are driving (laughs) in a car. But the only way this car can operate is if the car is full of water and all of them (laughs) just submerged in the water. This is a stupid gag. And it's a brilliant one. It's a really, really good one. I just thought the, the fact that she's crying, a flood of tears in the car, and there's literally a, a bunch of fish in a car next to her in water. Amazing. Excellent stuff. Bojack Horseman. Better than the show you like. We go to Diane's apartment, though. Her lovely new shabby studio, Michael, as I believe the Netflix synopsis called it. <laughs> she does have a wonderful picture on the wall to get things going. Now, if I was just reading this out, it would sound great. She's got the uh, claude monnier painting of um the japanese footbridge we all know the the colorful Mm. little footbridge which just sort of breathes optimism michael it breathes life and tranquility and happiness and then you see diane's apartment and it is miserable it is (laughs) dirty. it is horrible but she has just moved in and as she's just moved in there's a bunch of boxes with all of our stuff in and all the glass the boxes are named as follows as a box of glasses, obviously for all the glasses that she has. <laughs> there's a box of books. There's a box that's labelled bedroom, a box labelled living room, a box labelled bathroom. All, I should point out, squashed into this one studio apartment that she lives in now, mm-hmm. which has none of these rooms anymore. Brilliant stuff. Um, there's a box labelled misc. There's a box labelled hat. But that's been scribbled out, Michael, because Diane doesn't wear hats. What she does wear, though, are jackets, which has been replaced over the top of the word hat there's also a, a box for jeans a box for boots and my personal favorite on the boxes is just a box for red arrows michael which obviously she has on her jacket but she just has an abundance of these red arrows for whenever she runs out i guess maybe either that or there's a bunch of planes that are about to fly out of the box for anybody who's from the northeast of england <laughs>
0: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com
1: slash ACAST and use code ACAST for twenty percent off your first purchase. There's also brilliantly uh when she's put packing her bag before she goes on the trip, she puts like her, her usual outfit in because she's wearing that snazzy new lime green number that she got with the short haircut. She mm-hmm. puts her old clothes in the bag, which she also puts her passport in. She's got a blue passport that says um it's a, a USA passport, but of course, Michael, this is a world, an anthropomorphic world. So the bald-headed eagle that would normally be on an American passport is a bald-headed eagle in a vest and swimming shorts. <laughs> 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 because he's going on holiday, Michael. What else is he going to wear? What else is he going to wear? Anyway, we go to the airport next, and we go to the chaos that Diane is trying to get her tickets from for American Airlines, Michael, rather than American Airlines. Because if you look at the steward who's behind the kiosk, it is, of course, a crane, the bird, a crane woman, um, who is serving Diane at that time. Or not serving her, as the case might be. <laughs> um, on the wall to her side, though, is a bunch of flight times and gate numbers and stuff. Some brilliant stuff, yeah. If you read at the top, it says, oxygen masks, water, and honey-roasted peanuts are available at a nominal charge. <laughs> <laughs> that was fair. And the flights that are listed on this list... Uh, there's a bit of a theme going on here. Let me see if you can figure it out. Which uh, so we have Moscow in Russia, uh, which says the flight has departed. We've got Mexico City, Mexico, which says it's been cancelled. We see uh, Reykjavik in Iceland, Michael, rather than Iceland, which oh, has nice. been delayed. We see a trip to Istanbul, Turkey, <laughs> <laughs> of course, which hasn't departed, which hasn't been delayed, and hasn't been cancelled, but it has been stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course the last trip on there is to hanoi vietnam which ironically is on time of course it is mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be the ticket machines you mentioned as well that they're the steward is trying to force diane to use are called spew ticks <laughs> <laughs> as in they sick out the tickets for the oh, people nice. who want them excellent stuff and that's just a great commentary here by the way about man versus machine isn't there? where Crane uh, Stewart is like that screens my supervisor so please leave a good review for me (laughs) (laughs) oh it's not gonna be long is it it's not gonna be long anyway we go to the opening credits of the episode and there are a couple of changes in the opening credits this week uh you'll remember there was a tribute to uh Ralph Carney I believe in the previous episode who passed away who did the theme song in the TV in Bojack's living room this time is an episode of Philbat that is playing on screen with Bojack and Gina. You can see them this time. Ah. Um, But then as we get to the point where we go to on set, which is obviously like Bojack's house, but in the dark uh, you go through, you will notice that now Todd, who was in the kitchen just being normal Todd uh, is now in a suit and is signing papers because he is of course the big wig over at uh, what time is it right now? Of course. And, Mm. Following that up, when you go to the next scene, you know everybody's partying in Bojack's living room on a flip shot. Um, you'll see that Todd, who's normally in there in his red hoodie and yellow hat, is now again in his suit, dancing away at the party, <laughs> having the best time. Which I've never noticed before, but obviously when you do this for a living, I guess we'll call this, <laughs> you pick on these things a little bit more. Anyway, we're off to the streets of Hanoi in Vietnam, and there's a lot going on here. I will put, I will preface this now. This is the part of the podcast where I'm going to preface that lots of shops, lots of Vietnamese words, lots of me and Google Translate getting to know one another. So if any of these are incorrect, I do apologize. But this is the best I could come up with at short notice. We do have to squash this in to our usual lives, which I'll caveat with. Anyway, we get to Vietnam. We get to Vietnam. There's a huge opening shot of a very busy Vietnamese street in Hanoi. A bunch of shops. Lots of people on bicycles, lots of animals floating around. We'll get into a few of them in just a moment. A couple of shop names. There's one called uh, Fung Chan, which is a shop that translates to puffed up. Uh, there's one called, I can't believe I'm going to try and, and uh, pronounce all of these. Good Lord. Naha Hang, it's called, which means restaurant in Vietnamese, oh. which I'm fairly confident must be right. That feels right. There's one called Guang, which translates to mirror. Uh, There's one called Ban Kung An, which translates to Sell Photo Frames. And there's also one called Sun Ka (laughs) Ngua. That's definitely not how you say that. Uh, Which is Seahorse Cartilage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously. So, I mean, that's the store that I thought it was going to be. Um, Truth be told, I apologise to any of our Vietnamese listeners. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying trying my best. You come and do some Geordie. We'll see. You'd
0: you'd have learned to order two beers, definitely.
1: I would have definitely learned to order two beers. Let me tell you. However, we then go to Diane, who we get in the in the scene, who answers her phone, Michael, which has a brand new ringtone on it, and a recurring theme in this show. She loves a good NPR uh, person on her telephone ringtone, and this time it is. Peter Sagal, uh, who does, who you will know from the game show if you're, uh, if you're familiar with National Public Radio, and uh, the "Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me" uh, game that he plays on the radio, which is exactly what her phone, her phone ringtone does. He's like, "Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me," uh, and obviously, if you don't know, he's an American humorist, a writer, and the host, of course, of NPR. Anyway, some bird people walking past here, all with the very typical Vietnamese hat on. They are, of course, sarus Cranes Michael, uh, which are native to Vietnam um, or certainly found more in the Vietnamese areas. Um, there's also a man on the street who's reading the newspaper that says, and I, I don't even know how you pronounce this in <laughs> Vietnamese, but it says X-E-M, so like XM Exit Du Nai, which is not. So we'll call it Emet Du ni if the X's are silent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, that means the newspaper headline is... Consider this. <laughs> That's quite nice. Quite which sounds at like the beginning of an REM song or something, doesn't it? <laughs> um, there's also there's also some monkey people who are eating uh, a big bowls full of noodles, which are specifically red shanked Duke monkeys. Uh, the, the the way that they look uh, for anybody who knows Vietnamese monkeys, there you go. <laughs> Be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also brilliantly one of my favourites in this you will notice there's a um, a, re- a repeated, like, turtle man who's in, like, a, a, a very golden-looking robe. There's a couple of them who are going around in this episode, walking slowly, but the tails have got really long necks, uh, which is quite notable. You're looking at them and you're thinking, these are quite specific, and they are quite specific, because, and I've had to go to the Vietnamese Express, Michael, for this, uh, which has given us this info. They look very reminiscent of... The extremely rare giant turtle, one of which that has been plastinated and lodged in a temple on its home in Hanoi's Sword Lake, which is potentially the lake that we see in this episode where uh, Diane yeah. next to. And if you're eagle-eyed viewers, you will see there's about three of these guys who just walk into the lake and start wandering down. Um, but basically, uh, this turtle, Michael, just for some context, was one of the last of the Yangtze giant soft turtles. Uh, of which there are just three known species now, and two of them are in China and one in a lake just outside of Hanoi. Uh, right. So there you go. So that's what right. I, think, I believe that's the reference. I think so. Um, but they are Fantastic. big. They are big and they are grandiose. So be be, be impressed by those turtles when you see mm. them next time in the episode. Um Also, one last little shot before we go back to a flashback of just one of the the inns that's in Vietnam, in in Vietnamese, in Vietnam, is called New Inns, New (laughs) Inn. Which I just thought was so, so clever. The amount of wordplay you'd expect from Bojack when it comes to the the surname New Inn, which we'll get onto more in just a second. But. We go to a flashback again, as you mentioned, we go back to Diane's childhood home in Boston. Uh, A dad, of course, who you've only seen dead, I believe, up to this point, uh, if you'll recall, back in season one, where he's very dead indeed. He's been left with ice packs on him and stuff. Um, He's there wearing a Boston Athletics t-shirt and he's eating a tin of beans. I think it's beans. You can only see, though, the top, he's got his hand covering up the logo for what it is, but it says Boston I assume it's Boston beans, which is <laughs> <laughs> funny in itself because he's just eating Boston beans. <laughs> Spooning them out the tin with coal. They're, not, they're obviously cold, but I just thought such a typically Boston thing, this. And then, as you mentioned, her dad was indeed a tenured professor of Vietnamese <laughs> history at Tufts University. And I was like, how, how big of a deal is this? So I did a bit of digging. And Tufts University is a private research university on the border of MedFAD and Somerville, Massachusetts, Boston, offering over 90 undergraduate and 160 graduate programs across 10 schools in the greater <laughs> Boston. So he's obviously quite a... This is like a huge deal. And, it's, and we've, to this point, have just assumed that he's just this stupid, thick Boston bloke who just loves being from Boston. And wants nothing to do with being Vietnamese, but he actually knows everything there is to know about being Vietnamese. But of course, Michael, he wouldn't ask you to have your period on your day off, so don't oh. ask him to talk work either, because that's apparently how that works.
0: What a piece oh, of
1: garbage! What a piece of trash! <laughs> anyway, we go back to the streets of Hanoi, Vietnam. And uh, some more shop names for you. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to give up on the Vietnamese pronunciation because that I can't do it. I'm not good enough. But there is one. The ones that translate there's one that's called new in because this is what do you remember the street where it's just all new in there's loads of different shops with the word new in in it similar to diane's saying well similar it is diane's saying it so there's new raw sausage there is new in scientist is the translation there's new in and new in but my personal favorite which doesn't really require any translation new in bamboo <laughs> <laughs> Which I would assume Michael sells bamboo. Uh, <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I would assume it sells bamboo. Now, this did lead me to something interesting, which I do want to just quickly mention because we're talking about New In now. So I thought I'd do a bit of digging on the actual surname. Um, but New In, Michael, ironically, is a bit like the name Smith over here. Mm. It is like the yeah. most common Vietnamese surname that there is. Uh, it stems from the Chinese word Ruan which is a stringed instrument that is plucked. Um, and basically, as much as Diane might seem like a foreign entity over in the US, when she gets to Vietnam, she's just one of a bajillion, essentially a bajillion smiths who are just waiting around in Vietnam. I just thought that was quite an interesting dynamic for her, feeling like she's so unique in one place and just completely generic, I guess, somewhere else. Um, but she also says brilliantly, so that she want, when she says she wants to get the full non-LA experience imagine that Michael, she just stumbles across a shop that's called non-LA, it's just a street store that is selling <laughs> of all things, is selling hats now, I know you're just thinking ah, it's just a hat store isn't it but Diane doesn't really wear hats Michael as is noted earlier in the episode when the hats box has been scribbled out and swapped for the word jacket so I just thought that was quite interesting that she's gone out there to do the one to, to wear the one thing that would make her different to normal being back at home <laughs> And it's just a hat. That's typical, Diane. And um, we go to the Drowsy Tiger Inn next door, which is where Diane is staying. And as you mentioned, there's a film crew there, who burst out of a lift in like this big, excited fury. They all come flying out of the lift. Some amazing dialogue here from the people who work for the film crew. Just shout, coming through, hot set. And then he just says, movie lingo. <laughs> 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 The Eagle Man, who we will obviously get to later in the episode with Diane, is part of that film crew. His baseball cap just reads, City Sport. <laughs> it's, I just thought it's, it's basically as good as the Boston Athletics gag from <laughs> uh, Diane's parents, uh, Diane's dad. But also, there's a, the clerk in the hotel who's talking to Diane behind the uh, desk. His name is Con Khi, C-O-N-K-H-I, which in English... Translated from Vietnamese means monkey because Michael he's a monkey. Of course he is. <laughs> and he's behind the, the desk. So there you go. Now, chicken for days, Michael, as you mentioned, is it we've got the Vietnamese chicken for days. Diane goes there, she gets herself a giant bucket of mystery stuff or whatever she ends up getting. Who knows? One massive leg of chicken. But there is a poster in the background. It's got a chicken on it who's in a little Vietnamese hat who is speaking and there's a speech bubble and I have managed to take it and translate it, I think, to what it says. And I hope it does say this because the chicken is saying in English, please bless me, the chicken is delicious. (laughs) (laughs) He is selling that chicken, let me tell you that for nothing. Now, you kind of brushed over this, but we returned to Elefante. Like, that's a big deal. Because we've been going to Sandro's mm. place for yeah. all the last season. Yeah, yeah, of course. And this is a return to Aliphant here with new people in it, I guess. You'll notice the guy who was forced into being the chef that night when Bojack and Princess Carolyn were there and that was all the fires and they were having a big argument. He's now still there, presumably like the head chef at this point. Um, because, of course, Sandro left to go and do Sandro's place. But in there, so a couple of great gags here. As Diane's talking to Mr. and Butter over her back in the background, there's a... a, a Couple have been served a pig's head that they're going to eat, uh, and they're all getting ready for the meal. And literally, on the table to their left is a horrified pig person <laughs> who is watching over the shoulder as the people on the table are about to eat. Presumably, a fellow man or woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, I also thought it was great how there's the little instant connection between pickles and Mister Peanut Butter at the table here. And what is it? What do they come to that sort of? agreement on they both love water Michael because the dogs of course they love water they just love they just love water big fans of it and the big bigger fans though of eating the trough of everything which Mr. Peanut Butter <laughs> which Mr. Peanut Butter requests after pickles tells him that she usually just likes it when all the leftovers are there behind after work and she can mush them all up into a trough and that is of course the word that Diane loses her sh at when miss when pickles just keeps interrupting them she finally turns up that one time too many when she's trying to talk about the divorce and just screams in her face, he wants the trough! <laughs> 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 Furiously shouting trough at her. But we go back to Hanoi um, in Vietnam. We got, we're got we at Lakeside now. As you have already mentioned, just a quick nod to the brilliant American tourist gag because that American family are the worst, the absolute worst. Just say things louder and with hand gestures. And I'm sure that'll translate. Even <laughs> the the wife of the man who's talking to Diane has an American flag on her T-shirt and just keeps like pulling the T-shirt and pointing to the America. We are America. <laughs> Before <laughs> Diane finally ends up saying, me, I'm also America. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful stuff. We go back to her apartment, though, and you'll see that as Bojack has come over to help her, he's, he's looking through a box of stuff. He pulls out a T-shirt, Michael. The T-shirt reads... Dennis Cookin' Scratches, My Cookin' Itch, <laughs> which has the face Dennis Cookin' on the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Dennis Cookin' is an American politician. Uh, he was a US representative from Ohio from 1997 to 2013 and he was also a candidate for the Democratic nomination for President of the US in 2004 and 2008. And just to remind you, the slogan on this T-shirt is Dennis Cook and Scratches, my Cookin' Itch.
0: Oh, <laughs> I want to know the, I want to know the process of somebody yeah. hearing the name Dennis cook and Itch and thinking Scratch. I, I, I love that so much.
1: Den- I like how Cookin' cook Itch doesn't even come first. I love that. Dennis Cook and Scratches, my cooking itch. (laughs) Ah. Brilliant stuff, this. But also, uh, brilliantly from Bojack, who's having a debate with um, Diane, that he doesn't tell her everything, but he sort of stream of consciousness says, this place smells weird. I want to go home. I don't tell you everything. (laughs) (laughs) So so good. Their their relationship was just one you could watch all day long. Um, We go back to Girl crew though, and as you mentioned, Stefani, who we're seeing is progressively getting more and more psychotic, uh, mm. I think we can all agree. Mm. Interestingly, though, this is probably the worst thing I think we can realise that she's done in this show so far, maybe. But that was such a commentary here about unionisation, wasn't that? Where she just yeah. says, you've got the exterminators in. She says, some cockroaches in IT tried to unionise, so I just called an exterminator. <laughs> At which point she says, "Or oh, do I mean negotiator? No, oh, who knows? And then you hear the screams of all the people dying <laughs> as this place gets gassed out in one of those big tents. This is, there's a huge comedy there, isn't there? On, on, mm-hmm. on the sort of rigors of unionization and how much they do not want this in the workplace. You <laughs> can all agree. We do go back to Diane's apartment, though, and there's this funny little gag of a man who's just urinating outside on a tree just to kind of give you the scene. This is not a great neighbourhood that Diane's living in. Man's been in a tree. And also, when you go into Diane's house, you'll notice she has a mug from Starbucks because, of course, she used to work there and probably has some fond memories of
0: is
1: indeed. But we go back to to Bojack's house now. And this, nothing really specific here, just to tip our cap once again to that entire wonderful interaction between her and Bojack. Really sort of interesting, like, can't take your eyes off it while it's happening. Really, really great stuff, that. We go across to Diane's therapist's office, though, and a couple of little things here. There's a, there's a sign on the wall, like a poster, that says, Holding back tears is like spanking your inner child. <laughs> <laughs> Make of that what you will. But yeah. also, and I guess this might be why I technically it would be in a therapist's office. I was transported back to my childhood, no, not by that poster, but by another thing that was in the room, do you remember those old, like, wooden boxes, right, where you had to move a pinball from one side of it to the mm. other? And that That's... was one hole at the end and one hole there. And you, the only way you could do it was by tilting it and tipping it with your hands. There's so one of those just tucked away in the corner, um, which I thought was quite interesting because I immediately went to childhood. I don't, know, I can't even tell you where or what. I remember using that little contraption, but I mm. definitely remember it. Um, I don't know what the proper name was for it, though, but I just called it. A wooden pinball maze. <laughs>
0: Box. They're lovely, though, aren't they? They're so yeah. lovely, beautiful little artifacts, really well made. And just, yeah. We
1: sound very old right now, and that's okay. <laughs> I, all right I hope you understand what I'm talking about, people who are listening. Anyway, we go back to the markets of Hanoi and Vietnam, and this isn't really any particular, other than the fact that this is just a beautiful, beautiful bit of animation. Like, I know the whole idea is to kind of amp up the romanticization of, like, What's going on between these two? This sort of hmm. the guy, the guy essentially living out his Miss Saigon fantasy, um, yes. kind of adds to it all. But you should just look back at this animation moment. The, the lights, the way they light the scene here, the way they show you some of the the sort of picturesque scenery that they're walking into in this market is absolutely stunning. Like, really does feel like nighttime in Vietnam somewhere. But then also, Michael, because this man works on a set, doesn't he? He's uh, he's part of the studio. A studio which you don't find out until Diane finally leaves is called Hanoi Woo Studios. <laughs> <laughs> which, for a brief second, I thought, are they trying to do a play on Hannah Walt, as in Lisa Hannah Walt? And then, of course, my stupid brain went, no, Adam, it is, of course, a comparison to Hollywood, Hanoi Woo. And how do they know to do the woo in Hanoi? Um, as, know? <laughs>
0: as Holly, as the, the change in Hollywood. It's result really in right. every other equivalent, like having to update its admin accordingly. What's it's quite nice though right. is that we see the Hanoi Woo for the first time, and the D is right there. She's stood right under it.
1: The D really? under the Hanoi Wu sign, of course, yeah. because She's our there. our B story is a D story. What, what was it? I can't remember what the name of the episode is. But there you go. That's right. Um. Yes. Well, there you go. Look at us riffing away, eh? like two little riffers. <laughs> <laughs> Riff Raff. Riff Raff. We go to Mr. Peanut Butter's new house, though, which technically was their house, but is now just specifically his lad pad, now that Diane is not (laughs) moving in. He is, of course, having his housewarming party, as suggested by Diane. It seems, though, Michael, despite the fact he's moved into a new house, he has not, unfortunately, found himself a new place to get signs and or banners, because there's a banner outside the party that reads... Mr. house housewarming bash and can you send me a picture of the banner before it goes off to the printers this time <laughs> <laughs> massive banner this and it seems his luck continues to not be in uh, there's also just outside a giant Jenga set that two people are playing on one of which is a woodpecker person Michael who is pecking the Jenga brick out with the mouth and the beak, very good stuff this but now it's time for a who's who Michael, it's time for a Hollywood stars and celebrities, where do they go? Do they go places? Let's find. <laughs> they do apparently, and all of the all of the friends that Mr. Peanut Butter has made over the years in the last four seasons, quite a few notable ones, have popped across to his party. First of all, we have J.D. Salinger, who's popped in for a quick cameo just to have a drink at Mr. Peanut Butter's house. There's also Oxnard, of course, who is his. Um, what is he? Is he technically the business? No, the, the accountant. What He's, is he our accountant. Now? He's our accountant, isn't he? Yeah. Peanut Butter's accountant, Oxnard. Obviously, brilliantly voiced by Jake Johnson. Uh, there's also a cabra-cadabra driver there. Uh, just a, a whale from the old whale world, of course, with the purple outfit on. Um, there's a slug employee from, from Foot Locker, where Mr. Peanut Butter used to work, of <laughs> course. Uh, there's a blind man and his guide dog person who we've seen before, but they're both here having a drink. I just think I guess Peanut Butter knows other dogs, is the joke Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. There's also, brilliantly, who you may remember from last season, Professor Thistlethorpe Michael, who was Mr. Peanut Butter's skier. <laughs> of
0: course, yeah.
1: Who obviously turned himself into a chrysalis just before he gave him the big lesson. And we saw him at the end of that episode flying past as a butterfly. Well, here he is. In person, still a professor, but now a butterfly instead of a caterpillar. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Oh, and ah, nice. brilliantly, because it's Mr. Butter, Michael, he makes friends with everybody. He's even invited the Richard Nixon lookalike, who is the Nixon Library security guard from season two, <laughs> episode nine of Poor Jack Horseman. The episode is the shot where they go to the library and try to get the shot of Nixon's yeah. office. Um, and they've invited the security guy across. The one who's absolutely convinced that Nixon is his father, I should point out. <laughs> um, also, brilliantly, as you mentioned and kind of touched upon here, I just loved how Todd's entire part of this episode was just him, because the timelines are mixed up, him doing the build, like a monologue build to yeah. all to pay off all of the phone call the peanut butter's just had with Diane about Todd getting his tongue stuck to an ice sculpture, <laughs> then a rink and then meeting mobsters. And he's basically saying like, I hope I don't lick that skull out and then accidentally end up with a a roller rink I hope there's no mob bosses <laughs> at the roller rink. I hope I think it's just so ridiculous but then even more ridiculous than that is he goes to he goes to an extra length to go back fairly he's like I'm going to go upstairs and lick an envelope now it would be a shame <laughs> if I missed the envelope and came down the stairs with my tongue out and then ended up licking the ice sculpture I <laughs>
0: Well, that's how we know it could have happened realistically, don't we? They needed to set the scene, you know?
1: Listen, it could happen to anyone, that. It's a very, very common mistake. He,
0: he might have, if he'd have flown all the way past the ice sculpture, he would have licked, licked, licked the floor, but he lick, just lick, licked lick, the lick ice sculpture.
1: <laughs> 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 very good crossover. Also, <laughs> just as you mentioned, we add to your Erica account, or Eric count, as it were, mm. um, but I just love that... <laughs> There's always an obscure little something that comes with a meeting American. <laughs>
0: this darker, one
1: might What are you doing here with a child-sized coffin? Oh God! <laughs> oh, no, Michael! Oh no! <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Uh, like,
0: but... She's not. She's not allowed to vote, is she? You've got to keep her away from flames or something.
1: She's lost some part of her face or something. I'm sure. I don't know, an eye, not a good eye near children. Yes, Erica, <laughs> i just trustworthy at this point. No, of course. but the last thing we find at Mister Peanut Butter's new house is that Diane finds a globe in his house that she spins, sort of arbitrarily, just spins it around, and of course reveals the smiley face that Mister Peanut Butter drew on the globe. When this used to be the room that she's in now, it was her bell room up which obviously must have been about designed for her. Very poorly, I should point out. Uh, we see, see the globe with the face on, just as a reminder to her of how badly this whole thing went. We go to the airplane, though. The that uh, I was going to call her Princess Diane there. I really always want to do that. Um, the Diane was on. I just love the Laura Linney interaction here, how they tie the whole thing together. Because how many times do we get the impression that maybe this film that i are making could tie in? Maybe it'll give her the answers that she's seeking for. No, it won't because Laura Linney has a clone who she is then running away from, who <laughs> then has a sex scene with a clone, which is all a bit mad. It's just <laughs> so ridiculous, this. Absolutely ridiculous. It made me think about, and myself included maybe even in this, I'm not afraid to say, doing the film Eat, Pray, Love, obviously coming from the book Eat, Pray, Love, where obviously this journey of explanation for a woman who just, who's had bad a bad experience, goes away and explores the world in three different countries. And I was just thinking, how how many people must have went and saw that film and thought, oh, this is, yes, like the meaning of life is in this film. Mm. And I love the way they just shatter that entirely in this by going like, <laughs> oh, this is just some dumb Hollywood film, but Laura Linney's because yeah. she's Laura Linney, and you should be watching this film, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but finally, this isn't really any particular location, as you understand why. I just want to give a nod to the amazing ending shots, like the shot build-up, Yeah. As we see Diane isolated in the middle of the screen, and we just there's a slow zoom out. I think it is, and we just see all the different locations in the background flashing. She stays steady and still in the middle, and all of the places she's tried to go to make herself happier or to make a change, they keep appearing in the background. But she's still alone in the middle and start and sad. I just thought it was really nice. Like, mm. but I don't know about you, I. I Sometimes I see a scene like that, and I know, I know it's meant to be sad, but it's, it was something quite nice about the, me- the melancholy of it all, of her being in the middle of all yeah. these places. Life was happening around her, and she wasn't part of it, essentially, is what it mm-hmm. felt like. Um, but yeah, I think other than that, other than the final note, of course, is if you are a monster who doesn't watch the end credits, you should, because there's that nice uh, Vietnamese version of Group Loves uh, back in the 90s song, which I thought yeah, yeah. was really nice. Nice way to add a bit more thematic stuff to the episode however that is of course everything for this week's horsing around but i have heard rumors from our sponsors over at what time is it right now who are telling <laughs> me that yes we are allowed to do one last thing and then i swear to god we will shut up about this podcast forever would you like to go first or second mr hamlet
0: i'll go first please If that's okay um diane traveled across the world but my one last thing is a little bit closer to home this week. As we kind of alluded to earlier on, we are not unfamiliar with 10-point lists in our work and life away from Podcast horsemen. And uh, Diane did something here that me, as a writer of 10-point lists, would never, ever do. Ooh. Um, she produced 10 reasons to go to Vietnam because, as we heard at the start of the episode, Stefani had old words and she wanted new words. <laughs> but very much in the spirit of how Bojack Horseman treats Crush and the type of content that Girlcruish puts out, she doesn't come up with 10 reasons. There's <laughs> about three, generously, to the yeah. point where Diane acknowledges it herself. It becomes a gag. Isn't that the same as number five? Half of them are about getting out of there. Half of them are invalidated, not just by Diane's words, but about the actions. She doesn't do it but they're new words and that's enough. It, uh, it speaks to the reflection of the content that uh, Gilchrist makes and how, how Bojack has always portrayed that company and their their particular list. I, look, I'm wary of sounding like I'm in a glass house with an armful of stones here, so I'm not gonna throw any, but yes, it struck me immediately that Diane gets nowhere near the 10 that her title has promised.
1: But the end question you have to ask yourself is, does it matter if people are clicking, is what you've got to ask yourself. It should matter.
0: I'm really asking myself a hundred times out of a 100 yes. I'm Nicholas? Yes. Sir. And, and, and don't ask me to put my hand on a Bible in a court when asking me that question again, please.
1: Well, I was just wondering if you could come up with a nice list of a hundred reasons why Michael Hamplet is a big fat liar. <laughs> 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 I
0: mean, I could... Oh. If you, I could I could title it that. I could probably get you about
1: 96. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you the other four for sure. <laughs> I promise. I'm sure I can muster them up. I love that, though. I did love... Like, there's a strange thrill I get when we get the parallels to the stuff that we do for a job. Like, even stuff like when they're in the Girl Cruise offices and they're on Slack on their computers. Yes. I just, yeah. We always get a kick out of that stuff. I think it's really, really great. I think there's a big commentary there, though. Not just, like, for what we do, but just the way the world's gone in general, not just Girl Cruise. I am reminded of The Wire. The final season of The Wire, where they're kind of discussing how if people can do it cheaper with less quality but produce more quantity, it's kind of what they want. It, this sounds exactly like Stefani wants. She just wants to, ch- to churn it out. A brilliant narrative device, Michael. But as you pointed out, perhaps Diane not doing her best work since a uh, well, one-trick pony, perhaps, back yeah. <laughs> uh, at the very beginning. And how ironic of that for a title, eh? <laughs> My one last thing is also, believe it or not, centered around Diane. It's almost like the whole episode was hers, Michael. Who knew? Just... Uh, that was a wonderful thing I noticed, which I'm sure this has been done in many other films and TV shows, but the immediate film that came to my mind was The Terminal, with, uh, I was going to call him Bob Hanks there, but that's not his name, <laughs> Tom Hanks, Um, of course. Brilliant film, which I only just watched for the first time, I think, this year, early this year. Um, But there's an amazing bit in that film, which you remember, where uh, he's looking in the glass uh, shop window and he sees the suit. And the way they frame it is that he can, like the way they do with most mannequins, they leave the heads off so that people can see themselves in the suit when they see the reflection of themselves in the glass. So he's looking at the glass and he can see his head perfectly fitting in this body. There's a brilliant bit in this episode, though, where Diane is ironically looking in a shop called New Inn. There's a lot of layers and context going on here. But as she looks in, there's the two sort of traditional Vietnamese style dresses that she sees, only they don't have any heads on them either. But when you see the reflection, they are like a level above Di- She doesn't fit. Her face does not land where it's supposed to in this mannequin at all. Now, it's a tiny little thing, but it's such a great a great exploration for how she's probably feeling right now. She's come to what's essentially meant to be her homeland, and she has absolutely no idea <laughs> who, who to be, how to be, or where to be, it would seem. Um And I just thought it was lovely. It's a tiny little thing, but it really does kind of hit home. The huge message in this episode, What? because I think there's also another layer that goes with this as well, though, maybe, in that... And I obviously don't want to get into the huge politics of this because, obviously, the... Now we've seen it since the show has been finished, obviously there's a lot of talk about uh, should it have been a Vietnamese actress who was voicing mm, uh, yeah. Diane in the show. But there's a context here where the, the sort of confusion of Diane herself being a Vietnamese heritage, but also very much, as we're being told here, really, a lot more predominantly American, I think it's fair to say. like
0: a face doesn't fit. According, to, Look, Her face literally doesn't fit. Her
1: face yeah. literally doesn't fit. She goes back to Vietnam and she doesn't, she's not from here. She's from LA. That's where mm. she is from. And I just think that I'm certainly not disagreeing because I think in hindsight, obviously, which is a wonderful thing, I think that is the correct thing to say. An opportunity should have been given to someone of Vietnamese heritage who could have done yes. this voice. However, there's certainly a conversation to be had there, isn't there? I think this episode mm. may sort of inadvertently addresses that because... It is a muddled history for herself and for the character in this in this show, and I think it sort of touches on that nicely. But this scene in particular, I really loved the way it made her feel so out of place in the one place where she's maybe meant to feel right at home. Brilliant stuff. Anyway, that's enough of our waffling for this one. Uh, let's get into some plugging, though, before we do finish this off, and you give us some stars, which I can then add to a list and not do for another couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> But if you have enjoyed this podcast and have enjoyed listening to these two idiots talk about your favourite talking horse, then please do give it a follow at Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram. Feel free to give us a follow, give us a like, a share of any of the things we post. Please do send us your favourite bits and bobs from BoJack Horseman. We literally started this podcast because we wanted more people to be talking about the show. and We wanted to extend the community. So please do get in touch. We want you... To- to join us in Talking Yourself Horse about your favourite talking horse. And on top of that, if you haven't had enough of us already, you can follow either of your hosts on Twitter as well. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas, or if you'd like to follow Michael Hamflit, you can find him at...
0: Michael Hamflit. Um, You can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, It'd be great if you could subscribe for us. Um, on Spotify, where you can follow on Acast, where you can also subscribe and indeed stream. It's pretty much everywhere. Even if you Google it at this point, if you search for Podcast Horseman, you'll find it on all those various podcast players that you never heard of. We're on Amazon Music, if you sat there constantly tracking the order of running trainers that were supposed to come today, that now apparently aren't supposed to arrive for another two days, don't know how they got lost. Maybe go to the podcast section and find Podcast Horseman Said Whatever you want to do, it's up to you. I just put these examples off the top of my head. I don't know what people might be going through on that experience. Um, but yes, you can uh, find us pretty much everywhere including on the app podcast host twitter feed and um, where every Friday the new episode goes up um there's a streaming link in there if you choose to listen to it that way and for season five's stars on the Hollywood talk of fame we are looking for quote tweets it's uh let's be transparent it's uh it's really helping us spread the word it gets more people to find us it gets more people to leave those five star reviews those nice words those nasty words but the words that get us up the charts to get more people listening to podcasts and more people talking themselves horse <coughs> about the talking horse which is what hey. I just did there We're going to give a star in the quote tweets this week to Nathaniel Arnold at The Only Bezo. I'm pretty sure he's got a star from another season. Thank you, Nathaniel, for your support. He quote tweeted episode one. (laughs) with let's fucking go p-h-o hyphen k-i-n-g much appreciated we do like a pun in a quote tweet you can treat yourself to whatever but we do quite like that too Um, thank you for that Nathaniel season 5 will be winging its way to you and just to reiterate that episode will go up on Twitter on the Friday quote tweet that or any of the links around it we will see them we will pick one at random and a star could be coming its way to you too
1: Very nice stuff. Very nice stuff. You see, even though it was just a Diane episode, we still give away the stars. Because it doesn't have to be about Bojack all the time. Sometimes Mm. you just get what you want, and that's the end of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It does wrap in 21 minutes. We're horsing around. We're not Bojack horsing.
1: (laughs) Horsing around. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they'd love it if this podcast finished after 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Not today, fellows. Mm. Anyway. Shall we find out what the next week's episode is going to be? Yes, please. Um, now that we are back in the swing of things, business as usual for the boys over at Podcast Horseman. And on Netflix, we have the season five, episode three synopsis Planned obsolescence. Todd meets Yolanda's parents who don't know she's asexual. Mr. Peanut Butter romances a young waitress. Woo! And Gina confesses a childhood dream to Bojack. Sounds like. Three storylines to me, my God!
0: <laughs> Very <laughs> yeah, exciting. the traditional ABC, but I'm, I'm a list guy myself. But I guess we'll take on an ABC. It's unconventional for a TV show, but we'll just take an ABC plot this time, eh?
1: Well, it is as easy as one, two, three, Michael. That's what I know. <laughs> anyway, with that all said, and a bunch of more, I think that's all. Is that all our bullshit for this week? It is, isn't it? <laughs> We're <covered. laughs> Yeah, I think that's, that's it. That's good. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks. I always forget how much bullshit we do. Anyway.
0: We have, uh, we have scratched that my itch.
1: <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm not going to top that. So as always, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hanflit. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods